Hello, and thank you for listening to this week's podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnais, Illinois. This is a sermon for January 19th, 2020, the second Sunday after the Epiphany. The sermon is entitled, What Are You Looking For?, and is based on 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and John chapter 1, verses 29 through 47. It was preached by Pastor Mike Hanlon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts and the actions of our lives be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Maybe you have a Bible at home that's like this. See, all of the Bible is God's word, but sometimes there are people that that really just, they love the Gospels, right? They love the Gospels and they love Jesus's words. And so they have these special Bibles, they're called red letter Bibles, right? That have Jesus's words in that red font, kind of jumps right off the page. Well, if you're somebody who has a Bible like that, or really, you know, thinks a lot about that, well then, our gospel reading today is kind of a special one for you. Because our gospel reading today is uh, from the beginning of John's gospel, and it has the first words that Jesus says in that gospel. The first words that Jesus says in what I read today, uh, they don't sound very profound. They're not a grand declaration of Jesus' identity. They're not this special word from God, it seems. Instead, Jesus' first words are a question. What do you want? Now, personally, I'm not really a fan of that translation of Jesus' words because when we hear that question, what do you want, it sounds like, you know, That grumpy old man saying, get off my lawn, what do you want, why are you here? Uh, And I don't think that's exactly the right tone. Um, So the ESV translation, it, it has instead, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? And I think that really gets to what's going on here. Because if you ever hear somebody ask that question, What are you looking for? What kind of scenarios are you thinking of? When does someone ask that question? As I was thinking about it, it's usually when somebody sees that you look a little lost, or it looks like you're desperately trying to find something, and you're turning the house upside down. They they ask you, what are you looking for? That question is a question of, collaboration, isn't it? It's a question of assistance. It's a question that has a definite answer. Somebody is asking you that question because they want to know so that they can help you, right? They see that you're kind of frantic and they want to know what they can do. If they know what that item is, maybe they can help you find it. Maybe they have seen it. If you're lost somewhere, maybe they know the direction where you should be going. So that question What are you looking for? It is not the get off my lawn kind of question. Why are you here? But I think it really is a question that invites a relationship. That invites someone else to come alongside you. And I think that's important to understand. Because when you get into the context of how that question is asked, again, 
you have this timeline of events in John's Gospel and the other Gospels. It all begins with Jesus' baptism. Beforehand, John is out there baptizing. He is out there proclaiming this baptism for repentance. He is telling people that one who is greater than he is going to come. And then Jesus comes. And then Jesus is baptized. And then after that, in our Gospel reading today, we have that aftermath. After Jesus is baptized, John loudly and clearly proclaims not just that one greater than he is coming, but that he is here. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world is here, and it is none other than this Jesus who is walking among them. But think about it. So far, what do we know about Jesus? He hasn't done any great miracles, has he? He's not walking on water. He's not raising the dead. He has not preached some great teaching of the Lord, some eloquent message. He's just there. And everything seems so ordinary, except you have John's word, John's testimony that says, I baptized him and I saw the Holy Spirit descend on him. And this man is none other than the Son of God. He is the One. And so some of John's disciples are the first ones. They are the ones who have really held John's opinion in high esteem. And so when they hear John say this about Jesus, they realize, wait a second, our allegiance should not be to John. Our allegiance should be to this One who is greater Jesus is the one that we should be following. He, he's it. And so they turn and they begin following him. And then it's kind of comedic to me, but the author of the gospel, John, not the baptizer, writes that as soon as they start following Jesus, Jesus turns around and then he asks that question. What are you looking for? Now this, I think, should have been the opportunity for those first disciples to really knock it out of the park. That that John has told them all of these wonderful things about Jesus, and so all they needed to say was that we're looking for the Messiah. We're looking for the Son of God. We are looking for the one who will deliver us from all evil, the one who will save us from our sins. And John says, you're it. So that's what we're looking for, Jesus. But that isn't what happened. Maybe it was because the disciples were rather hesitant. Maybe they felt a little sheepish. Maybe they even thought that was presumptuous to, to say all of those things about Jesus when, again, Jesus just seemed like an ordinary person. Who was this Jesus anyways? He just looked like any ordinary man. But they knew that there must be something going on. After all, John proclaimed it to be so. And so they committed the cardinal grammatical sin. They answered a question with a question. You don't do that. 
But that was what happened. What are you looking for? And what did they say? They said rabbi, which means teacher. So they did recognize that Jesus, there's something special about him. He has a special authority. But they just called him teacher. The, the question they asked, where are you staying? Now, Jesus does not rebuke them for their grammatical faux, faux pas. He doesn't say, you You guys, I asked you a question. You don't ask me a question. You answer it. Instead, Jesus, it seems to me, very gently, very lovingly says, you want to know where I'm staying? Come. Come and you will see. See, Jesus issues an invitation an invitation to them to come and be with him, to come and see where it is that he is staying. And you have to understand, again, in these cultural times, things were different than in our own. And to invite someone into your home, to invite someone to come and to stay where you are staying, it's not just come in and have a snack. Come in and get a bite to eat. To invite someone into your home said something special. It said something special about your relationship with one another. You weren't just acquaintances. You were something more than that. Maybe even more than friends. Almost like family. That you were inviting them under your roof. As you remember, Jesus will run into all kinds of problems throughout his ministry for exactly this reason. Because he dares to go into the house of sinners. He would stay with them. He would eat with them. He would show that he was there for them. And that's what happens as Jesus calls these first disciples. And we might wonder, well, what happened? What happened when Jesus invited them to stay with him? John doesn't tell us. Clearly, there there was some kind of conversation. Clearly, Jesus had an opportunity to, to answer some of their questions, to speak about his identity for himself, but we don't know what it is that he said. So maybe that wasn't the most important part. Maybe the most important part was simply that, that Jesus brought them into his house to stay with him because it had an impact. What's the reaction of those first disciples? The first thing they do is they run to their closest relationships. They run to their family members and they tell them, we have found the Messiah. But they actually did more than that. They didn't just tell them. They brought those family members. Brought those family members there to Jesus. We hear specifically about Andrew. That he brings his brother Simon Peter. And he brings him there to Jesus. Now that's our gospel reading. But as I continue to think about it. I'm still struck by that question that Jesus asked and the disciples' response. Jesus' question, what is it that you're looking for? Because again, 
I guess I'm less gracious than Jesus. Because I think the disciples really dropped the ball there. I think when Jesus asked them that question, they should have had a ready answer. And it wasn't too difficult to think about what they could have said. The hymn that we sang just before this, uh, obviously we know a lot more. We know the whole story of Jesus. But to think about all of the different ways that Jesus relates to us, that who he is to us, Now, maybe the disciples didn't know all of these things at this point in time, but what they did know, it's all there in the context of Jesus' baptism. They knew about their own personal sinfulness, right? Because John was there with this baptism for sinners. They were all there because they were saying that they were sinners. And John was talking about repentance and forgiveness of sins. And then when Jesus actually is there, John says that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And John's disciples, they are there for all of this. This is all on their mind. They know what's going on. And so it seems to me that John's disciples should have had a ready answer when Jesus asked them, what is it that you are looking for? We are looking for the forgiveness of sins. We are looking for that Savior who will bring us that deliverance, that deliverance from this problem that is always with us. But that's not what they said. And I realize Jesus is more gracious than I am. Because again, Jesus did not chastise them for their answer. And so I thought about their answer a little bit more. Was their answer a good one? See, what I wanted, what I was expecting was this nice theological answer, and that's not what happened. Instead, they said, where are you staying? But maybe that is a good response. Where are you staying? Well, what does that communicate? It communicates that these disciples wanted time and space. Time and space with Jesus. What is it that they wanted? They wanted a relationship with Jesus. See, they had questions. They had doubts, and they also had hopes. And so what they needed most of all was not to give some quick explanation of what it is that they thought Jesus was there for. Instead, what they needed was time and space to talk, to ask questions, to listen, to learn from Jesus. When you think about church, we talk a lot about theology. Maybe we don't say that word, theology, but a lot of what we do, it's it's all theological, right? Your pastors are here, and we, we teach you to see things according to God's word. We teach you maybe some new vocabulary, words that you don't normally use. We teach you new concepts. And all of those things are good. I think those things are even important. But sometimes we can forget 
the most basic stuff. See, the forgiveness of sins is not granted to you through academic degrees. Intellectual knowledge does not grant one the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins comes through faith in Jesus. It comes through a relationship. See, faith is trust. Trust in Jesus. It doesn't mean ignorance, but it also doesn't specifically mean knowledge either. There might be a lot you don't know, but you can still surely trust Jesus. Jesus, I think, is inviting these first disciples not into a theological treatise, but into that kind of relationship. See, when John calls Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that is loaded with so much theological baggage that we could have a seven-week sermon series on it and still probably only scratch the surface. It wasn't enough for John's disciples to simply parrot back what John said about Jesus. They didn't want to know Jesus through John. They wanted to know Jesus for themselves. And Jesus shows that's what he wants too. And so he invites them to come and stay with him. To come and ask those questions. To come and listen. To come and walk with him. Live this life with him. As Jesus calls his first disciples, the thing that I am struck by the most is how ordinary all of this seems. Right? There are no great miracles. Everybody seems just like us. It seems like this could happen this day. And in fact, I think it does. Jesus calls all of us to himself. Jesus asks all of us, what is it that you're looking for? And it's not so much that he expects the perfect answer. It's not so much that he expects that theological treatise in response. Jesus is coming alongside us to collaborate, to help us. Jesus is coming to live this life with us. I want you to know Jesus as your Savior. I want you to know Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But I don't think those things will happen if you don't know Jesus as your friend. If you don't walk with Jesus through this life. If you aren't afraid to ask Jesus those tough questions. If you find time to listen to him. To be a disciple. Yes, it means to be a student, a follower of Jesus. But I think it also means to be his friend. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. 
who is your Lord and risen Savior. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbonnais, Illinois. You can find this and other podcasts by going to stpaulslutheran.net and choosing an option at the top of the page. Thank you for listening and God's blessings.